Welcome to the Made for Memories podcast, where we explore the sport and business of fishing and the great outdoors in Canada. Presented by Len Thompson and Northern King Lures. Here are your hosts, brother and sister duo, Brad Pallister and Jessica Pallister Dew. You are going fishing next week. I know, I know. First flying trip in three years. So dad and my best pal Mitch and his dad have been trying to go on an annual trip for about 18 years now and we've missed a few years but we missed three in a row last year we missed because the ice was still on so we had the we had this the trip scheduled with the lodge and we were ready to go and they called us a few days before and said unless you're bringing your ice auger we've got to postpone your trip so so we're going this year it's going to be it'll be good no ice augers needed no ice augers needed what are you looking forward to the most uh i think i'm i what's gonna bring my laptop but i'm think i'm looking forward to not looking at anything for four days in a row and uh generally even i can catch a fish on these northern trips so i guess it'll be good to 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 rack up the scoreboard a little bit so uh mike my husband was critiquing our last podcast episode and his comment was you know like I know we like to pick on Brad pick on Brad time but like is it really that bad are you really that bad at catching fish uh it can't it can't be that bad do you get skunked every time is every second time no, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think maybe I have potential. I just got to commit to going more often. I, uh, I'm not very good at catching fish out of a boat. I don't know where to catch, like, I don't know where to go in a lake. I don't know where they live. Um, yeah, that I'm definitely not very good at. I uh, don't know how to catch them, but stream fishing, I'm actually pretty pretty good at I think I'm pretty good at that maybe it's like your fear of water just manifesting could be but no I I can I know where they live in a river and and streams and and I I feel a bit much more comfortable and that's just from years of going fishing with dad and uncle Davy and the crow's nest right so well, and and we didn't do a lot of boat fishing growing up we really didn't dad's not a big boat fan either no so Definitely. you know when no. I when I actually started getting more into fishing and more passionate of fishing, I mean, the largest reason that I've been successful is I just go with very good anglers because they know where to go because that's half the battle. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I do tend to get outfished when I'm in a group of people, but I don't think it's like egregious egregious but generally people point out that take great glee in pointing out that i am a little behind in the standings so well that's just luck i think maybe more than anything 
Could be. So uh, who are we talking to today? We are talking to Don Lamont today. The Don Lamont. I didn't even know who Don was <laughs> when I first met him. And I was kind of, a, 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 in hindsight, embarrassed about it. But uh, I'm not really a celebrity guy. I'm not. Uh, and he doesn't act like a celebrity. That's for dang sure. Like he's, he's a easygoing, well-grounded dude, right? So. I would like to take a moment to introduce our guest, Don Lamont. Don Lamont is a professional angler, writer, and educator. For 15 years, he hosted and produced the Complete Angler television series. Don is also a writer. He recently published a book of his fishing adventures, also called The Complete Angler. He has been a regular fishing columnist in the Winnipeg Free Press since 1992 and is currently editor of Hooked Magazine. Don also hosts The Complete Angler podcast. Welcome, Don. Well, thanks for having me on, team. It's great to be here. Uh, you've done some stuff. A little bit. Yeah. A few things here and there. Yeah. It's been a great career. I've really enjoyed it. So, uh, Don, how did you get started in the industry? It goes back to uh, 1979. I had uh, taken a job in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan at CKBI Television and Radio. Uh, I had some experience as a freelance writer for the Winnipeg Free Press, so I thought I'd get in the media business and then when I got into Prince Albert, uh, I had a couple of buddies that I, I knew through basketball from uh, from Manitoba, and they liked to fish, and uh, the rest is history. Were you an angler before then? Uh, not really. Uh, I grew up in Winnipeg, and my dad and my mom were avid golfers, and my dad liked to take me hunting in the fall for ducks and geese, but uh, uh, he didn't like fishing, so I never really fished as a kid. So you started in radio or TV? Is that is that? Uh... I actually started in the newspaper industry. Okay. And and then um, I also I played university basketball for five years, and so the local television station uh, Global asked me to host their game of the weeks basketball games. Uh, so I was the color commentator, and so I had quite a bit of television experience through that. I did it for a number of years, and then so I decided I want to get media in, and that's how I ended up in. In Prince Albert. Hmm. Weird. Prince eh? Albert is a good fishing area. It is very good. There's uh it was kind of funny. There was a river that flowed right over my front door called the North Saskatchewan. I had a <laughs> I had an apartment block right on the river. So I I I didn't have to go into work till noon. I had the late shift. And so every morning I'd uh, pack up and head down on the river and fish from shore. And I, second year out there, I caught a master angler walleye, which was about 29 inches from shore. And that, uh, since that day, I, I fell in love with fishing. I wanted to go every moment I could. Well, you're one of the, one of the lucky ones that, uh, that makes, makes a name for themselves. So you, you started in print media. Yeah. And then how and when did the show come to be? When did you say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make a go of this. I feel like being on TV today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was a, it was a combination of things. Um, I had a girlfriend that wanted me to go back to Winnipeg when I was in, in PA. So I took a job at a, tele, a radio station actually in Winnipeg, Q94. And uh, I hated it. And she left, she dumped me anyway, after about six months. So 
it was great. The best thing that ever happened because then I was free to do whatever I wanted. So I quit my job, applied for a guide at a bunch of different lodges in Manitoba, and I ended up getting one at a job at Eagle Nest Lodge on the Winnipeg River. And so I ended up got in there for three years, starting in 1982. And a guide, a guide needs to be added to your bio as well then. Yes, that's, uh, I, I, I was of the realization that if I was going to make it in this industry, and I always had the goal of having my own television show because of my media and writing background. Um, so I said, if I don't know what I'm doing, if I don't know how to catch fish, there's no use. So the fastest way to learn was to actually take people out fishing. And the pressure was on every day because they were paying you good money to catch fish. So... So I was very successful at the guiding end of things. And uh, the, the owner of Eagle Nest actually gave me a great opportunity. He, um, he, I bought my own boat, so he paid me for that. And he also made me manager of the lodge. So I was able to get a quick start in the industry. And, and that's actually where I met my wife. She was working, she had just graduated from university. So I had a lodge romance and we got married and, and uh, we're still together and it's been, it's been, been fantastic. How many years have you been married for? Uh, close to 40, yeah. Yeah, so I, I have a lot to be thankful for from the industry. And uh, I, like I said, uh, Brad, I always had the goal in mind that uh, I wanted to have my own television show. So, but how do you go about getting that? I know I, I, I listened to your podcast you had with what my friend Wes David and our friend, he's such a great guy. And, you know, he did it the right way. And, and so what I did, uh, like him, I went through the tournament trail and had a very sex, successful year in 1989, where I, I won a tournament and I was uh, I fished across North America, including on the professional walleye trail. And I got offered this television show from a film crew in uh, film crew productions out of Regina. And so we decided to, uh, to kind of do it together. And um, ended up doing it for 15 years. Hmm. So how was, uh, how was the industry set up back then versus now? Um, maybe from like a sponsorship perspective, even like, was it, was it uh, more competitive back then? Was it, you had other medias to compete with like print and things like that? Or um, how, how did you, how did you, how does it compare from now to then? Well, I was kind of a groundbreaker back in those days. Uh, Bob Azumi was the big show out uh, east, and I knew Bob, and I got to meet him at the uh, Toronto Outdoor Show. Um, so, we, you know, we worked together. Uh, we kind of, you know, I worked through it. It was it was difficult. Um, at, the, at the time, the television stations, the bigger stations, wanted quite a bit of money to broadcast. So what we did was, with Film Crew Productions, we went to the smaller regional networks and they would take our show for no charge. So I was able to get also a few advertising spots as well. So we were able to sell those, get some sponsorships together and uh, we went from there. And uh, once the television show, I think aired for three or four years, um, we started to do good numbers and get good recognition and uh, uh, and I had a marketing company help me out for a while, which which was okay. But uh, I think I'm trying to remember what year it was. Uh, yeah, it would have to have been about 1995. Uh, we ended up uh, 
getting a couple major sponsors. Um, I had Outboard Marine Corporation, but I also had Labatt's and I also had Auto Pro. And we were the one year we were on Global Sunday mornings. We were the number one ranked television show in Canada, even more than Bob was doing, numbers Bob was doing. Unfortunately, the next year, Global kind of moved us around a bit and we kind of lost our numbers. And so I think by, you know, uh, towards the end there, after 15 years, about, uh, so I started the show in uh, 1989 and I kind of wrapped it up in 2004, 2005. So it was a good run though. And, uh, but it, you know what, it, I, I just felt it was time and uh, it's a tough slug as, as Wes will tell you. Uh, it's a lot of work doing a television show, especially since I ended up having to do all my own marketing, <laughs> which is not easy, as you know. Yeah. So you went from the television show in 2000, or you went from guiding to television mm -hmm. to what was the next journey? Was it writing your book or was it hooked or what was the next path? Well, I had a little gap there and... Uh, Fish Futures hired me as the provincial angling coordinator, and I did a variety of consulting work. I also put together a package for uh, the Fisheries Enhancement Fund. Uh, I had a two-year contract to do all that. Uh, I also took a job as uh, the outdoor product manager for Travel Manitoba for a couple of years, uh, which, uh, unfortunately, I, I was used to looking after myself, and to work for somebody else was not within my realm of possibility and and meantime i've been writing the winnipeg free press column since 1992 and so i was continuing to you know contribute to a lot of different publications from a writing standpoint i wasn't doing much te television at the time but i certainly was busy on on the writing front and uh, and i was also writing for hook magazine and I know you wanted to ask me that question of how I got involved with that. Do you want me to save that for the rapid fire questions or do you want me to- <laughs> It's not rapid about... fire. It's not rapid <laughs> fire. It's, it's, it's just next, next on the list. So how did you get involved with Hooked? Well, I was written, the, the original editor uh, had asked me to write. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, I contributed to the magazine, but then unfortunately the things were kind of falling apart. Uh, writers weren't getting paid and, I don't know about you, but if I don't get paid, I don't make a living. I mean, that's just the way it is in the industry. So, um, and then Kevin kind of got a hold of me and said, you know, he, he took over the magazine um, about seven years ago. And he said, why aren't you writing for the magazine anymore, Don? So we, I said, well, you know, I just wasn't getting any paychecks. And he said, okay, I apologize. I didn't know that. Because Kevin was just doing the layout and he, and he was a graphic designer. He wasn't actually involved in the editorial uh, you know, the whole part of that. So I said to him over lunch, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll keep going with hook, but the only way I'll do that is I want to be the editor of the magazine because I know what this magazine needs to be successful. So Kevin says you're in and the rest is history. We've had a great relationship. And I think that's when we met right around then because, and forgive me, but when we met, I remember we were going out with Wes and uh, Wes said, you got to come, you got to come meet, meet, uh, meet some friends of mine. And we went to a smokehouse. Yeah, wasn't that fun? And I sat next to you uh -huh. and I didn't know who you were. 
right and and i remember i remember one of uh i remember telling wes this and he looked at me because i was like oh so who am i sitting next to he's like he's looked at me like i was joking and i was like no can like i've been talking to this don guy but who is he and then he just kind of is his, his mouth dropped to the floor like I didn't know like I was from Mars or something but I never watched fishing shows so I anything about him and uh you were just good guy Don that I was sitting next to I didn't uh didn't really understand the historical aspect of it so <laughs> but yeah, we, was, we had a lot of great times yeah, it was iCast. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. That was that was a great event. I got to meet you guys and get to know you, and it was awesome. But uh, yeah, just to go back a little bit about the history of all this, it, it was kind of the major guys uh, that are still impactful in the industry in Western Canada, like Ken Bailey and T.J. Swanky, and um, and even Gord Ellis out of Thunder Bay. They were everybody was just kind of getting going. You know what I mean? Uh, Ken and, and, and Gord were more on the writing end of things. Uh, TJ, I had him as a guest on my television show a few times, and then he ended up getting his own television show and being very successful at it, which is great. And, uh, and you know what? We, we all became lifelong friends. And, and one thing I've learned in the industry uh, from Al Linder when I met him way back when I was fishing tournaments was that help each other in the industry how can we help each other be successful because it's a hard enough industry as it is and it, and if we don't work together it makes it even harder and i think uh, out in western canada especially i think that crew has, has taken that and, and and done very well with it to help each other i i would i would tend to agree with that i i think that's the one thing that draws a lot of people to the industry is is just how genuinely good everybody seems to be uh, I mean, you, you overwhelmingly have a feeling of camaraderie with most people in our industry. They just seem to be good people. Yes, I agree. We yeah. had a, a podcast episode with um, somebody who works within distribution, Jason Lawton, and we were all talking about how from a fundamental level, most of the people in our industry have some kind of passion for the outdoors in some capacity. And I think that that's really bonding because um, it has some underscoring values of family and friendship and being outside and, you know, slowing down and appreciating nature and taking care of it. So I think there's a lot of values that, that people share within our industry. Yeah, it was a great podcast, by the way. I listened to it last night. It was really oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I listened to that one and, and Wes and I, I love them both. They're very good. But uh, just further to that, Jessica, um, we recently had a major breakthrough here in Manitoba. You know, even like the Manitoba Wildlife Federation and some of the other groups were kind of, in the past, maybe 10 years ago, they, they weren't on pulling on the same page for the resource. They're, you know, they kind of had their own interests here and there. But in the last four years, uh, through a bunch of different uh, uh, the groups have really bonded together and because we knew in a lot of cases the resource that was at risk, especially Lake Winnipeg. So we had a, a Lake Winnipeg advisory board that was made up of a bunch of these different groups and, and, and led by the Manitoba Wildlife Federation. And you know what it's what has happened is that we have all of a sudden now 
been able to persuade government to make a huge number of changes, a new mandatory recreation angling policy, which open seasons, which, uh, I mean, it, and, and it looks after the resource, it funnels money into the resource. And now we have a trust fund that we have uh, for the resource. So we've had some major changes in Manitoba. And the only way that it could have happened is all these different groups working together, united, going to government in one strong voice, one strong lobby. Yeah, we, um, in, in Alberta, we've found that the last four years, government has been pulling in a similar direction as, as uh, Alberta Conservation Association, Association um, Alberta Fishing Game a little bit. I mean, there's still, there's still things to, there's still progress to be made uh, for sure. But uh, the thing that uh, Alberta changes from, from Saskatchewan and Manitoba, the challenge that we have is we have a much larger population base and fraction of the number of lakes. Like I think it's, 100,000 lakes in Manitoba to 900 in Alberta or something like that. Right, right. So it's nice that uh, government is investing in hatcheries and investing in stock stockings and and uh, um, playing with the regulations a little bit more um, uh, as opposed to just kind of fire and forget and uh, listening to anglers and listening to industry. It's it's been uh, it's been refreshing here. So well, that's great news. It could be it could be because everybody is uh, because of the increase in popularity. What have you noticed? Uh, this is going to be my only COVID related question. Okay. But how have you noticed the um, how has the industry or outdoor industry changed in the last three years? Well, it's been a a rapid fire changeover. Uh, when nobody could do anything else but go outdoors with their family, um, they took advantage of it. And the boat launches, uh, I, I can't tell you how long the lineups were the boat launches here in Manitoba. And everybody, it, it was funny because people were launching their boat. They hadn't seen water in 20 years, but they were desperate to get out of the house. And uh, license sales, like most of North America in Manitoba, were up, I think, 38%. So we, we had hooked, and this is a very relevant question because we decided to switch over our content um, to make it friendly to new users, like new people in the outdoors, like new fishers, new hunters, information of how to, where you can get things, where you can go. So we wanted to make it very friendly to uh, the first or second time or, or, or novice anglers and hunters. You've also um, put a really positive push into digital content. So you also have uh, the podcast, obviously, um, but you do a hooked fishing report that you publish through your e-newsletter, which... I think speaks to that content shift that you're you're talking about at the moment because it really does give people more localized information for for those who might be new to angling. Well, we've gone to a lot of seminars and and we've we've listened to a lot of people that are, are social media aware and what you need to do. So we tried to fill all the pieces of the pie, um, you know, cover it all, you know, on the digital side of things, which is huge nowadays including the podcast, like you mentioned, and, and you're, you have yours as well, which I think is fantastic. And, and, and just, you know, do it all because 
you know, so not everybody uses Facebook, not everybody uses Instagram, um, and podcasts have become, as you know, you're you're a big fan, Brad, have become extremely popular, and so just get the information out there to the people, and I, at Hook, we try and in in the magazine format, we try and publish every issue one conservation piece, whether it's about catch and release, whether it's about uh, fisheries management, or whatever it is. And we try and make sure that we cover all aspects all across the prairies. So we want to make people understand uh, proper ways to release fish, uh, why it's, you know, it's great to release bigger fish and, and just things that we take for granted that maybe some of the newer anglers don't. Uh, and also why you should let certain fish go and, and keep certain fish and, and how to look after your fish so you don't waste them. Just, just small stuff like that, you know. It's small it stuff, but it's big stuff. It is. It is. It's a long-term impact on the resource, especially when you get a 30 to 40% increase on the resource, the impact that it has. So that's, it's vital. Agree. Strongly agree. <clears throat> Takes many years to grow a fishy to big size. It does indeed. And it takes just a few seconds to make that decision on whether to let the fishy go or whether it's the right one to take home for for supper exactly what you should have in your boat a measuring measuring tape uh, uh if you're going to keep a fish a cooler if it's hot you know just uh just making quick decisions having the have your camera ready if you're going to take a quick picture of the fish don't hold it out of the water more than you know 15 seconds or what however long you need to make make it quick so all those all those smaller components right so we've talked guiding we've talked um your show we've talked newspaper we've talked magazine the only one we haven't talked yet is a book and you've written your uh -huh. own book tell us about the book tell us where the inspiration came from the book and what's the book about well it kind of covers a lot of things that we've talked about on this podcast how i got in the industry back in prince albert 1979 and and i have uh I guess I have a wealth of, of information stored. Like I've been writing ever since uh, I started fishing, you know, seriously in, in, in 1982, I, uh, you know, I've been writing stories nonstop. I have all this well, I have all this wealth of information and I've had all these wild stories that, and it's not so much in the book about how to catch fish it's it's the journey along the way and the interesting people that i have met people like ken bailey like gord ellis um just fascinating people in the industry that have have had such an impact the book isn't all about me it, it's about the journey that happened in western canada and how the industry grew into what it is today so i i, I think that's the story i tried to tell i purchased a copy of your book I saw that. And it came in the mail signed. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. What was the biggest challenge of putting this book together and getting it published? Uh, well, I think it was getting the, the order that I wanted to tell the story. Mm. So I, I did it mostly by years, but I also broke it up into, uh, into areas. So I had one section on British Columbia. I had a section on fly fishing, for example. Um, I had a section on some of the greatest lodges that I've ever been to and talked why they were so good. 
Um, I also had a story on, you know, Lake Winnipeg and all the different adventures that I've had on that body of water. So I broke it up a little bit, but it, I tried to keep it in chronological order as well, to a certain degree. You know, I kind of ended up with uh, where I was, uh, where I am now with Kevin. And Kevin was such a great help on the book. Uh, he did all the oh, he did all the layout for me. Um, we got a, uh, Andrew Galloway helped me get a, a proofreader, his sister, that kind of stuff. Uh, we have a great printer in Manitoba and Friesens uh, down in uh, southern Manitoba, and so it, you know we got the proof done and we and we got it out. And so it was relatively easy from that standpoint. The bad part about the whole book was I launched it. Uh, in March, in the March boat show in what was it, 2020, when COVID hit. So I sold about, I don't know, 10 boxes of books at the Winnipeg boat show, and then I had a bunch of book signings lined up, and I had to cancel them all. So, so that was unfortunate. So we had to go online, and online never works as well. You like to get out there, like Wes says, the boat launch talk, right? You like to get out there with the people and share stories. Like the book doesn't come alive unless I tell them the story personally, right? Right? Then right. it becomes alive. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know that Jessica is a published author as well? Oh, I have her book. Oh, good. Yeah. Do you have grandkids? No, unfortunately. Mm, That's a well, sore question. It's, it's, <laughs> I do it's, have it's, two it's, kids, though. <laughs> It's a great book, though. Thank Fair you. Fair enough. <clears throat> yes, no, I, I can, uh, I can appreciate that because I launched my book in 2019. So we did a big, uh, it was around our 90th anniversary. So we did a lot of consumer shows that year, um, and then not in 2020. So you, you don't get a chance to, to get out. And, and I did a reading. That was fun. I did yeah, a reading nice. at a sports show once and I had all the little kidlets lined up and we gave out balloons and it's just a nice memory. But yeah, yeah, it's nice when you're able to promote your own story for sure. Awesome. Yeah, it sure so, is. So we could sit here and chat for ever because you got quite a few years of, a, of wisdom <laughs> to impart. Yeah. But all good things must come to a close, but we have to close with the rapid fire section. I've been practicing. I listened to a couple podcasts. I'm ready for you. Jessica's okay. got the uh, the dinger. Yeah, I she's have got the dinger. All right, and and don't think because you have lots of industry experience, I won't deduct a point. Okay, oh, good. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay. I'm 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 ready for this. Okay, all right. Okay, Brad, would you like to get started with question number one? Sure. Question hmm. number one, Don. Your personal number one foolproof method of catching fish trolling a crankbait without a doubt i'll troll a crankbait before i do anything else in order to cover water and uh, determine the fish are there and then I, I can change over to a different technique from there i know we've got seconds to spare it's like a, are you gonna give him a bonus bonus point jess well, I think that's kind of up to you. I don't think this has ever happened before. Oh, I know. Like, he knows. <laughs> this is what you do. I've been practicing. What's your uh, What's your go to pattern from a crankbait perspective? Uh, well, the setup is I have a line counter long rod, a uh, ten foot rod, and uh, braided line on it, a 10, 12 pound test, 
and I have uh, 18 boxes of crankbaits and all depths, all colors, all shapes, sizes. This is not relevant to your spoon fishing, unfortunately, but I have a story about that. But uh, so cover all depths and, and, and I, I love to do that to find fish, my favorite. Perfect. There's lots of ways to, to uh, catch a fish and, and uh, yeah, we, we like we like hearing that people catch fish on spoons, but we know that it's not the only way to catch fish. But I, but if you ask if you want to ask a question about my favorite Len Thompson moment, I would be glad to, to answer that question. Maybe we'll, we'll pop out a question. We'll see. Maybe it, maybe it's on here. We don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Question yeah. number two. Your favorite story from the Complete Angler book or television series oh i'm gonna give goodness. you a second to think about it because i know that's a big question ready set go wow i don't know you got me on that one uh that's a tough question um there was two or three moments that were uh, pretty amazing uh, my best fishing moment probably was when i was on the west coast and i hooked into a huge salmon and it ended up uh, the battle of a lifetime. And I was very proud of what happened. And I caught a 48 pound Chinook salmon. Holy. A tie. No kidding. A solid tie. On television. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. And Gord, Ellis caught one, Gord Ellis caught one 40 pounds. Back to back we did. That's awesome. Question number three the most exotic place you have ever fished cabo san lucas mexico we were down on a friend of mine had a charter boat down there i met him through guiding he was owned a bunch of radio stations he had a, a beautiful boat down there so he invited me to come down and do a television show he wanted to promote his business the boat was called the salsa we ended up catching only one marlin but we caught some thresher shark that were absolutely fantastic Ooh. Nice. question number four you are very passionate about educating anglers. What is your go-to lesson that you think everyone could benefit from? Uh, learn about fish behavior, learn about fish biology. So uh, the FLP process that I learned from the fishermen guys, Al Linder and Ron Linder, fish location and presentation equals success. And I've lived by that uh, through my whole career. So understanding, I'm, I'm a big biology freak. I like to talk to a biologist and learn about fish behavior. And I try and analyze when I'm in the boat, I try and see what my electronics tell me. Then I put together a presentation of catch those fish. Don's really good at rapid fire. Yeah, he's really good. He's significantly better than Wes David. <laughs> Make sure you tell Wes that. <laughs> Question number five, you have won awards for your promotion of fisheries in Manitoba. What is your favorite place to visit in Manitoba? Uh, Lake of the Prairies would be uh, right on the top of my list. And uh, I, I would say Lake of the Prairies, which is on the border of Manitoba and Saskatchewan. It's a heck of a walleye fishery and it's got really big pike, uh, really big pike. And I caught one last fall that was... Uh, Trolling a crankbait was 43 pounds. Not 43, sorry, 23 pounds. Now that, that would be a fish exaggeration. That would be, that would be, yes. It was yeah. 43 inches and about 23 <laughs> pounds. There we go. 
<laughs> yeah, I like Click of the Prairies. Very good. Question number six, you have been very adaptive with technology throughout your career. You've done TV, writing, editing, radio, as we found out, podcasting. What is your favorite medium? I like to write. Um, I like putting words on paper. I like to make this story uh, flow so people find it easy to read and to be able to impart some knowledge that people can take with them, not just about catching fish, but what's happening with the resource. And it's being an influencer by their written word. And uh, I, I think that's what I enjoy the most. Question number seven, what is the best way to catch fish with a spoon? Go. I'm going to tell you my Len Thompson moment, and I was doing a television show up at Knee Lake, which is part of the Hayes River system. Uh, Knee Lake, I don't believe, is open. It might be open now again. But anyway, I'm out in late August, and we see all these fish dimpling over the weeds. And um, I, I took over from the guide, and I said, I'll, I'll drive the boat, and you can fish, and I'll guide you this day. Anyway, we had five of dime Len Thompson, and he started fluttering them along the weed edges, like fluttering down. And I was just casting and retrieving, he was catching all the fish. So I quickly changed to a lift and drop with Len Thompson. And you could see that thing flutter down and these big pike come out of the weeds and just slamming it. I ended up catching a 47 inch that day on a Len Thompson. Five of diamonds, yellow. We yeah. have it all on tape. I love that story, uh, but point deducted, you went over time on that one. I oh, paused it though, so did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can deduct one. All right, last rapid fire question. What's your next big project? Oh my goodness, no more books, that's for sure. Um, I'm, I'm done with that. I, that was a that was a major undertaking. Um, you know what? I just uh, I still want to just work with all the different uh, user groups here in Manitoba and and across Western Canada and make sure that we promote uh, resource management, looking after the fishery. And uh, that's really what I'm all about right now. Don, thank you for taking time to speak with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And all the best in your next adventure and looking forward to our next in-person catch up. Well, thank you again, Brad and Jessica, and uh, good luck with everything. I wanna, first, last thing I wanna say is your fishing for food banks is awesome. I had lunch with Kevin Sobey this week. Kevin's the publisher of the magazine and uh, we're in for, uh, for, for this year coming up. We're in, we'll help, we'll help out again. Awesome. awesome. So last year, John uh, went and he loaded up his truck with a donation for on behalf of us and on behalf of Hooked. So they generously matched the donation that we made uh, and dropped it off at a local food bank in Winnipeg. Manitoba Harvest. Very good. Thank you for supporting the campaign. We really appreciate it. And yes, we're we're sneaking up on nine thousand dollars raised, um, and we're just going to keep going. Fantastic! Count us in, team. Sounds good. Done. Thank All you, right. Don. Take care, guys. Until next time. Happy fishing. Where do fish keep their money? In a river bank.
Because it's a river and it's a bank. Absolutely. Yeah, that one's a good one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the winner, Auntie Jess. <laughs>